Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of My Buddy Green, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the My Buddy Green podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. So I wanted to tell you about our new sponsor of the podcast, Thrive Market. As many of you know, I recently became a dad. My wife, Colleen, and I have an eight-month-old baby girl, Ellie. It's not an exaggeration when I say that as a new parent, Thrive Market has been a complete lifesaver, which is why I'm so excited that we've teamed up with them to offer you $60 of free organic groceries, free shipping, and a 30-day trial membership. Yep, you heard that right, $60 of free groceries. It's a crazy good deal and it's going to save you a ton of money on food and products that'll make you feel absolutely amazing. And you can get all the details by going to thrivemarket.com slash mindbodygreen. Again, thrivemarket.com slash mindbodygreen. If you haven't heard of Thrive Market, it's an online marketplace that's made up of 100% healthy and organic products, the type of premium food, household cleaners, and bathroom products you'd see on MBG. Except on Thrive, everything is 25 to 50% off retail price. They do this by taking out the middleman. They work with brands directly and then pass those savings on to their customers. For Colleen and I, the convenience has been a huge part of it. Everything on Thrive Market is hyper-curated, so we're not scrolling through endless lists trying to find the one or two brands that meet our admittedly stringent standards. In Brooklyn, where we live, you often find yourself going to one store for collagen powder, another store for organic soap, another store for the right brand of BPA-free canned beans. It can take hours. And as someone running a major wellness media company, that's time I simply don't have. Thrive Market is one-stop shopping. Everything on the site is amazing, but beyond that, you can click to sort by vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, organic, paleo, etc. You can even sort by more out there things. For instance, as you know, we're big into gut health on MBG. And as you might not know, Colleen is actually a big snacker. So on Thrive Market, you can go to the snack section and click to filter by snacks that contain probiotics. That was how we actually discovered the farmhouse culture Kraut Crisps, which contain billions of probiotics and are dangerously good. Check them out at thrivemarket.com slash mindbuddygreen. We've also been loving the lifestyle categories. Browsing the mom section was how Colleen stumbled across the organic gripe water that's been a game changer for Ellie's teething pain. I didn't even know what gripe water was, to be honest, and I definitely didn't know that there was an organic version. But thanks to Thrive Market, we now have a happy baby on our hands. And get this, it's normally $12.50 at your local health food store, but only $8.50 on Thrive Market. We recently held our annual Revitalize event in Arizona, where we debuted our new motto, You, We, All. At MBG, we think it's so important to reap the benefits of wellness on an individual level. Sure, we all want to feel amazing and live our best lives, but recently, we've really focused on expanding that message. We believe that wellness can change the world and that people who feel good can affect amazing change, which is why I'm so excited to hear about Thrive Market's one-for-one program. For everyone that signs up, they donate a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher to help make healthy living affordable for everyone. Okay, so here's the deal. Right now, you can get up to $60 of free organic groceries, free shipping, and a 30-day trial membership by going to thrivemarket.com slash mindbodygreen. I'd start in the staple section where you'll find the kind of wellness essentials that we recommend on Mind Buddy Green daily, and then work your way out from there, depending on your own needs and preferences. 
Keep in mind, all of their prices are already up to 50% off, and now they're giving you an extra $60 free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash mybuddygreen. But be careful with the Kraut Crisps, though. Don't say I didn't warn you. Okay, now let's get into today's episode. Tara Stiles is the founder of Strala Yoga, a revolutionary approach to healing through movement. Tara travels around the world, teaching people how to move freely and with ease and conservation of energy. Strala is incorporated by business leaders, entrepreneurs, and professionals around the globe. You've seen Tara probably with the W Hotel, Reebok, and tons of other lifestyle brands. She's also the author of best-selling books and cookbooks and has been featured in pretty much every newspaper and magazine you can think of. In addition to all that, Tara is a dear, dear friend and was one of the first Mind Body Green contributors, a Mind Body Green class instructor, and our neighbor right here in Brooklyn. Tara Stiles, welcome. Thanks for having me, Jason. Our new neighbor in Dumbo, too. I know. You just moved. We last night we just moved. How do you like it so far? It's it feels like the country, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> in the in the best way, you know. I mean, just taking Daisy on her stroller walk just right to the right to the water. It's quiet. Instant quiet. It's not like Soho. No, Soho. I mean, it's it's great, but totally different vibe. We'd take her all the way to the West Side Highway just to get, or try to get a little bit of quiet. (laughs) And then then you're iffy if it's going to be quiet or not. So, so speaking of quiet in the country, so you grew up in the middle of nowhere, and and talk to us about your journey and how you discovered yoga and, and what brought you to New York. Yeah, well, middle of nowhere. I mean, I guess I still you know, crave that or feel that inside. But, um, uh, you know, I have a family that are farmers and simple, but, you know, really straightforward. And I always wanted to kind of escape and get out and do something um, in New York. And I was really interested in dance and, and pretty much anything. I just wanted to see different kinds of people out there in the world. And um, I used to go to the woods and kind of sit and meditate and breathe and come back and um, tell my parents that I was doing that and everything's connected. And, and they always told me, you know, yeah, of course, you know, but they never went into it. I think all the layers that they even knew about or experienced because they were already living in this way. And I honestly didn't realize that until a couple of years ago. <laughs> so they built with, you know, no money, a passive solar home and um, designed it and, and, and built it and did all the plumbing, electricity and got the land and everything and, you know, paid it off and were really simple and frugal in all these ways. And, you know, on the weekends, we would go out to the ditches and, and collect cans and recycle and sort of pick up garbage and do all these things and, you know, not buy new clothes. And, you know, my mom was making our clothes and, uh, you know, she had a garden and we'd eat uh, meat from our family's farm and all these things. So, you know, all of these things that I thought were so um, nice, I guess, but I, I completely took for granted until you know, honestly, about the last couple of years when all of these things are so cool in mainstream culture, <laughs> it started to dawn on me a few years ago that, well, I think I got my sensibilities from my parents of, you know, being, you know, just uh, interested in, in connecting and simplifying and thinking about things in that way, but more in a philosophy way of, sure. of yoga. But now the whole lifestyle just seems so, 
you know, they, they were on it before it was cool. And, you know, I always called them sort of straight edge hippies because <laughs> I thought growing up, well, you guys are hippies, but you don't do drugs. So you're not cool. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> super boring. But, um, but now I really understand their, their, their path to health. And, you know, they're really young when they had us and, you know, they're doing everything that is, I feel like, you know, all the, all the blogs on, on the site talk about, tell us to do now. They were already sure. doing that and they weren't, they weren't really making a big deal about it. So I feel like that's where I got my yoga ideas. And then, you know, going to dance school in Chicago, having a first yoga class there, I, I got lucky. My ballet teacher was in New York in the seventies and he was with American ballet theater and was doing, um, all kinds of Kundalini yoga and Hatha yoga and different practices. And, and his um, path was the self-realization fellowship um, uh, path and autobiography of a yogi. And, and, and he saw me really get into these classes. And I thought, wow, when I, when I had experienced this physically, which is what I really love to do was move my body, experience all of the emotional life and the, you know, the thought life that I felt growing up through this one practice, my mind was kind of exploding in all directions. And I didn't know there was something. How old were you at this point when you were going to dance school? Uh, and discovering you? 17. So uh, it was right after high school. But I thought, um, you know, on my own, I was sort of doing these things and reading, you know, books about science that were sort of in the basement or my dad had some like random Einstein books. He's a, a nuclear guy. So he'd have all these math books and stuff. So I thought that was cool. And my mom would have all these nature books. And I thought that was cool but I never really put it together physically until this one class. And, you know, it was super simple. This guy was sitting there in the front of the room, um, thin guy, curly hair, and he was sitting there smiling for no reason at all. And he really just looked happy, and I could tell he was happy. Not in a creepy way. Not in a creepy way. (laughs) But it was sort of at that point in my life where, you know, stress was starting to come in. I thought I was going to dance professionally, and... You know, so there's a lot of worries about that. And, you know, the moment I saw him, I thought, oh, my gosh, there's this person. And maybe he has this process where, you know, his happiness is coming from nothing external. And I thought that was super cool. And I didn't really know how to get it at that point. But I just sort of sat next to him and went to all the classes and became, you know, kind of, I guess, weirdly interested in all of this stuff. And my ballet teacher saw that I was super interested and he gave me a copy of Autobiography of a Yogi. And we're still in touch now. We're we're good friends and he's a good mentor of mine. And he said, you know, Tara, I really think you're interested in this, in yoga and you should continue to pursue this. And of course, at the time I was really insecure and I thought, well, maybe this means that I'm not very good at ballet. (laughs) He's telling me to, you know, try something else, else (laughs) which which not at all was the case. But of course, that's, you know, how I took it. But I went, I read the book cover to cover because, you know, I fancied myself as a student of of whatever he was telling me to do. And I was really, you know, um, just impressed with everything he had done. And then I saw in the back, it had this center in San Diego. So I'm cobbled together enough money for a plane ticket and went out there for a, you know, a New Year's break that we had. And I don't think I told my parents I was going out there, but it kind of really didn't matter at the time. But, you know, I just walked around and there was more people that were happy for no reason. Like, this is amazing. (laughs) I thought this was crazy. I thought it was completely amazing. And, um, and also different kinds of people, you know, coming from different places with different stories and different backgrounds. And I think that was the first real time in my life where, I was getting to meet people where the first thing you didn't say was something that, I guess, 
you know, set your place in the world of who are you and what do you do and, um, you know, sort of these external things. It was more about having a conversation about, you know, nature or about, um, not really about yoga, but about the ideas of yoga. And I, that just completely started to spin me around in circles and I got really excited about it, but it was also really uncomfortable in a way. So, you know, I wanted more of this, but I didn't really know where to find it. So I just, you know, started asking people. And at that time it was, you know, uh, Reiki healing circles and, you know, uh, a yoga class, but, you know, it looked very different than they do now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but different kinds of traditions in a way that sure. I would find in different cities. But um, I just kept trying to find these people that were happy for no reason. I guess I'm still kind of doing that. <laughs> and so I like that. And so at what point do you say, what, like, do you move, you, I know you moved to New York. At what point do you stop dancing and then you start modeling and then you start doing more yoga? Like walk us through that. Yeah, I guess it all kind of happened together in a way. I was dancing in Chicago and um, this woman, Marie Anderson Boyd, um, uh, was an agent at the time for a small agency called Aria, came up to me after the show and she said, oh, you should, um, you should be a model. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not qualified to do that. You're ridiculous. And uh, yeah, at the time, I, you know, I, I thought I was too short and didn't have a look. And I thought that was, you know, just nothing I could be successful in. So I went to her office and she told me that she was like, well, you're too short and you don't have the right look, but I think there's maybe something you could do here. And uh, so it was like another layer of insecurity <laughs> started to just sure. pile on. <laughs> but um, maybe take this book, maybe yeah. you shouldn't dance, take this yoga book <laughs> exactly. and then maybe you should become a model. But yeah, you're too short. Who am I? So um, she was really cool. I liked her in the same way that I liked my ballet teacher. I came to her office and sat there and um, she had actually written a book on um, advising young models how to basically exist and be comfortable and not dive too far into insecurity. So I really liked that she was doing something besides just her, you know, expected thing. And I, I would go and literally sit in her office till we would figure out what to do, you know, in a way in between my dance rehearsals and stuff. And she had all these uh, brand new kittens in there one day. So we just kind of sat and played with these kittens. And she said, you know, Tara. That's kind of random. It was super random, <laughs> but really funny. <laughs> and I would just go, I, I always like to go and be near these people that were doing cool things and if they would let me in to hang out. So I would do the same thing to my ballet teacher. But one day she said to me, you know, Tara, I was sent your pictures to um, an agency in Milan and you can go there and do the runway shows. And I said, cool. Um, you know, how does that work? Are you going to buy me a plane ticket? And what's the pay? She said, no, 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 you're going to pay for that. <laughs> I said, no, I can't pay for that. This agent's great. I was like, this is horrible, you know. It was kind of the 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 unglamorous side. She said, well, you can go, you'll go to castings, and the runway shows don't pay anything, but, you know, you could get famous, and then if you become famous, then you can make money doing all these other things. And I said, well... Seems like a shot in the dark. Uh, yeah, it seemed like a shot in the dark, but everybody else was doing it. And I thought, well, I could kind of play that part, but it didn't really feel like me at all. I could, you know, I was so bad at getting my photo taken because I was kind of not comfortable in my own body, but I could, I could get my photo taken if I would put movement in there. So I would always be dancing or doing some sort of yoga inspired thing. And I said, okay, do you have any other options for me? She said, well, we're in Chicago. You can go 
to casting zero, but it's all super commercial. It's very cheesy, you know? So I said, sure, like send me whatever, you know, I'll go in between my rehearsals, but I, I don't think I want to go to Milan cause I'd have to quit dance and I'd just be weird in Italy. And, um, so she sent me on some cheesy castings and the first one was for Coca-Cola and it paid a couple thousand dollars and I got the job and I thought this was amazing. <laughs> I got paid to stand there and to smile and laugh. And, um, sort of figured out who I was in front of the camera in that way. I could be fun and goofy and to do movement and things like that. So once I found my comfortability there, I was able to sort of use that as a, as a gig or as a job, but not really, you know, as something I, I fully identified with. So I started to do a lot of that kind of work, catalog and stuff like that. But, um, um, but yeah, I was always just goofy and fun and, and if it, it kind of worked in a way either I got the job or I really didn't get the job. So they would see me coming and say, Tara, get out of here. This isn't for you. Or they'd say, yeah, maybe, um, you know, we're looking for somebody kind of like that today. And, you know, I guess that was, that saved me in a way from really letting it hurt my self-esteem to a, to a really bad point. Cause I think I had this um, another layer of, well, I just get to be fun and, and use my body and have movement. I, I'm not going to let this sort of, you know, take over my life and to what my face looks like and how tall I am and things that I can't really change. So in that way, I, I felt kind of lucky because it, it brought me to New York in a way where it wasn't like, you know, I, I didn't get paid to come to New York and to sign with a big agency. I said, okay, I want to move to New York. And I talked to this woman, Marie, and I want to dance and do all these things. And she said, okay, same thing with Milan. Here's all these agencies. You can go see them and I'll call them for you, but I can't guarantee anything. And, um, and you know, it's going to be even more, you know, competitive there. The girls are even taller. <laughs> so I said, fine, whatever. <laughs> but I said, you know, I'm, I'll probably be able to still get this cheesy work. You know, the girls, those the commercial kind of, work, that those, pays. the real models, <laughs> yeah, they get the big, big commercial work, you know, all the big campaigns, but I figure there's a sweet spot where I could, you know, maybe pay some rent and do all this stuff. So, so I came here and, and rented a tiny little apartment and, um, and, and basically did everything. And that was, you know, pre, um, you know, I mean, the internet was there, but it was pre everything online. So I would literally just leave my apartment every day and go on all the appointments my um, agents would set up. And I, and I was, I was kind of, um, I guess bad. I would I would have multiple agents because none of I'm them sure were they love that. none of them were getting me enough work. No, they didn't care because oh, I wasn't really? a big deal. You know, they're okay. like, oh yeah, like you can go whatever. You're making one job a month here, so so I'd have all these different agents, and then I would do all kinds of random jobs too. So I found a dance company that traveled a lot but didn't require full-time rehearsals. So, but the the catch was all the dances were on stilts. <laughs> so Interesting. <laughs> so I learned how to dance on stilts and at that time I was having, you know, even more I guess identity crisis because I love dance and I would go to class of a, a contemporary company that I'd really want to be with and sometimes they would just say, you know, get out of here or whatever. We're not really interested in you and then that world is kind of you know, you get these looks where it's either going to work out for you here or it's not, and it's just purely a, an energy thing or a, physica, a physical thing. What does that do for your self-esteem? It's, it's weird, you know. It, 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 either you start to play this game of, well, you know, if you do fit in, then all of a sudden you're better than other people. If you don't fit in, you just feel like crap about yourself. So, you know, you're and, and neither of those options, I, I think, are very good. So there was one company that I really liked, and um, I went to their company class, and the, the 
um, the dance, uh, you know, uh, captain, it wasn't even the founder of the company said, okay, we like your whole thing. And we, you know, we know who you trained with and all this stuff. And in a couple of years, we'd have a spot for you. And in a couple it, of years. <laughs> somebody's going to retire, you know? And I said, well, that's still not a very good option. <laughs> My head goes to like blocks. What was it? Block Swan when like push someone down the stairs. Like, yeah. I'll make my spot now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, at that point I kind of had this realization that it's better for me and I'm more interested in lots of different things just to get out of this world of, okay, I, I'm going to get a job with the dance company and then be locked in. I think there was something that I needed to listen to. You know, I was able to go out and get random cheesy work and random other things. And that was, you know, interesting me in some way that I should maybe keep following that. So, um, and so what's going so on yeah. with your yoga practice at this time? <laughs> your- so I would be weird and I would do it at home because I didn't know any real places to go in New York. So, you know, in the morning I would get up and do everything that I learned, you know, from, from the man and the dance school. So I would just sit and breathe and I would feel so good. And I felt like I was kind of you know, I know like manifesting is a popular word now, but I, I feel like I was just somehow working all of this stuff out, all of these moving parts and, and not, not really needing them to come into one part, but I just, I would always come back to that just to feel good in myself. So when I would go outside every day and not know what's going to happen and literally do a million different appointments and, and have myself kind of be ping ponged all over the place, I still felt confident enough that you know, I, I would be able to be myself. And if something was the right thing for me, then it would work out. And I I felt like if I wasn't doing my yoga that day, you know, I'd have a different experience of the day. And I felt like the days where I was really having a a really good time and things were really kind of moving forward. And, you know, I got to do like a lot of random cool things, I think, because, because of the internet wasn't there and how you get to meet people in that kind of world. There's no Facebook. There's nothing. Yeah. So was MySpace around yet? MySpace was around. I had a MySpace page, <laughs> but it's weird because none of those people that you're connected to on MySpace, you actually, I think they're yeah, all, yeah, yeah, everybody's kind of, you know, a fantasy profile, but I would follow people into buildings that look like they were going to, you know, a casting or something <laughs> and maybe I would get the gig or maybe not, or maybe I'd meet somebody cool. So there was just more time for walking around and doing stuff. So I felt like there was you know, that idea of pounding the pavement in a way sure. was, was fun. And I would just, you know, bring my dance clothes. I'd bring my, you know, a change of outfit. And I would just leave every day after my yoga, go and do stuff, and then come back when it was time to sleep. So when do you start, like, going to studios and start taking public classes and, and getting more serious? <sighs> well, I would always talk to people about yoga, so... Um, cause I was just so interested in it and, and everybody that I talked to about yoga had heard of it, but thought it was, um, strange in a way, or they thought, um, you know, just all the common misconceptions you still hear about, you know, I'm not flexible or, um, you know, I have to change my religion. I think that was a, more of a common, uh, misconception then. So I'd always talk to people and, and um, try to find people to do yoga with. And I would go to a couple of studios at the time that were around that I would just find out about. Um, uh, there was Jiva Mukti, and then there was um, the Kundalini, and then there was uh, Crunch Gym. They had a, mm-hmm. I, I did a cheesy ad for Crunch Gym, and they gave me a membership. That was my pay. <laughs> was Kula around yet? Or? Um, no, Kula wasn't around yet. Right. And they had, um, Crunch actually had uh, three really nice teachers. This one guy, 
Um, I think he was just teaching a simple Ashtanga class without the rigidity, but he was the first yoga teacher that uh, I ever met who talked <laughs> like before and after class. And it totally, again, like made my mind kind of spin around because the happy yoga guy in Chicago, I never heard him say a word that wasn't, that wasn't, you know, moving through the warrior pose, you know, whatever it was. He never really spoke. And this guy, at the time I was, I was also doing like cheesy television commercials, which was fun, I guess. But um, I was in this PT Cruiser ad and uh, I walked outside of the studio and this guy was just standing there welcoming and greeting and saying goodbye to everybody. And he said, you're, hey, you come, you come here every Sunday at four. I was like, yeah, I really like it. But I was so um, nervous to talk to this guy for whatever reason. And um, he said, I see you on this uh, car commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, now I was so like weirdly awkward about it. But, you know, he was he was the first person that really was friendly to people coming. So I thought that that really made an impression. Like I went, I went there a lot. So I and then, was cool. so later in the story, I know at some point you get serious enough to go to some retreat or, or <laughs> camp upstate where you meet someone. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, at the time I had met some yoga friends and uh, a friend of mine was, was teaching yoga. And um, this was, yeah, this was it's like 2006. This or was five. Yeah, or? this was so a few years have gone by. Yeah, so this was 2005, and some I was meeting people, and more people were teaching <laughs> yoga now as a job, and this was starting to become a thing, or at least a part-time job, I think. Sure. And um, my one friend, she was an artist and a and a yoga teacher, kind of on the side, and the on the side, I think, was was very prevalent because for, I don't know for whatever reason there was, if you were just a yoga teacher, I feel like it wasn't. I didn't really know anybody like well, that. Well, there weren't like many studios back then. Like no. I think you named it was like Jiva Mukti, maybe Elm, I yeah. think the uh, Golden Bridge, yep, Kundalini, yep. and like that was about it. Like I don't think Kula had started. No, it, or no. no, Kula was around. Maybe I didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah. Mike, but, Michael took me there though for the first yeah, time. We'll, we'll talk about that too. <laughs> so, so this Michael guy. So you go to Michael this guy. yoga. Describe this thing you went. Yeah, to. Yeah. So I go to this with my friend. And it's a Krishna Das and Dharma Mitra. Oh, I'd go to Dharma Mitra sometimes. Sure. So, um, you know, all the people teaching yoga for a job were not not people that moved to the city from. They weren't like people that I knew, you know. Sure. I guess they were, they were people that were you know of a different place, I guess. So, so yeah, we went to this Krishna Das and Dharma Mitra thing, and it was over Easter weekend, and uh, upstate New York, upstate right? New York at this place called Ananda, and I mean. It, you could film a horror movie there. There was a <laughs> really nice, really lovely vibe, but the place just looks... Oh, like that camp vibe where like there's yeah. a serial killer is going to come around and snatch you. <laughs> exactly. There's a swimming pool that has never had water in it with leaves inside. And, you know, it was the beginning of YouTube and I had this like flip camera thing. So I was going around kind of filming stuff and, and having fun. And one guy I talked to there lived there and he was, um, there. His, his name was Bob. And his nickname was Bob Socks because he liked the Red Sox. And um, he was pretty good at yoga, too. He could do all these crazy poses. And um, <laughs> But he had this, like, it matched his crazy personality, too. And But he worked there to live there. Um, and he had this story where he was in recovery from all these, you know, drugs and stuff like this. So I would talk to him because he was just, you know, this crazy guy. So we went to, like, the first, you know, cir welcoming circle, whatever it was. And I thought it was kind of odd and strange and there was this woman who was a nun supposedly and I grew up Catholic and I was like she's not a nun <laughs> but she was a different kind of nun and burning all this stuff and the room was getting really smoky and I was kind of looking around everybody was really into it and I was feeling 
I don't know, just strange because I wasn't really into whatever was happening. Right. But this I was is weird. There. What have I done? What have I done? What am I doing? But, you know, I also like snuck in a bag of M&Ms and I'm like eating the chocolate or whatever. Yeah. So, but I see Mike across the room and I was like, oh my God, there's a guy and he looks pretty normal. What's he doing here? <laughs> I was just so confused. So, but I had this, you know, this, this magnet that you have to people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and apparently he had it too. So I kept looking for him. He wasn't a full-on camper. He, I learned later that he was a day camper, so he would drive home and come back. <laughs> that was the hard, we were hardcore. And my friend and I, I said, we've got to stay in the, the most rustic accommodation. So we were in the bunk beds and all this stuff, and it was fun. But no, I saw him, and then uh, actually on Easter was the first day I talked to him. And I had ran out of M&M's, and he was just sitting there across the room with a with an Easter basket with chocolate eggs. And I said, okay, I'm going to go talk to him. <laughs> so I went and talked to him, and I asked him for some chocolate. And then that was, it was, you know, pretty much it. We really didn't say much, but I think it was kind of this mutual. We wanted to hang around each other and see what was going on, so... And so you, you, you start hanging around more and you start, you know, going to yoga classes together and, and walk me through that. Like, I know, like, he was, like, going to Kula every yeah. day, oh, like, yeah. he twice was hardcore, a day, yeah. laughing like he did his, He knew like, where all the places were. I didn't know where the places were because I was more, I felt weird about just assimilating with people in yoga. Like, I was having this whole, I don't know, trip about it, I guess, in my mind, but... Um, he came over for the first time to my apartment and uh, I was like, okay, we're going to have like dinner or something. He brought his own sandwich and he sat on the floor and I said, you're weird. You know? So he comes over for dinner and he brings his own sandwich. And he didn't bring one for me. And I thought this guy is so weird, but why do I like him so much? And then we were talking about yoga and um, I didn't know he was, you know, I didn't know he could move his body, you sure. know, how he could move his body. So I said, yeah, well, you know, I, I can do yoga. I can, you know, if you want to learn how to do some moves, I can show you. And he goes, oh, like this. And he's just sitting on the floor and he puts his hands on the floor and then he kind of wiggles his way up to some sort of handstand-like thing and then hangs around in there for a, a ridiculous amount of time. And then, while eating a sandwich. While eating a sandwich, then wiggles back down. And, you know, he's not, there's nothing forced about this. And then he just eats his sandwich. He's like, oh, like, like this. <laughs> It's like, okay, fine, whatever. So, um, so yeah, so he started taking me to, to Kula and he was, you know, the, yeah, I guess I had a lot of actress friends at the time. They'd be like the darling of the film festival. He was the darling of all of the yoga studios. <laughs> He'd go to like two a day. He'd hang yeah, out there all day. He had all the memberships and, you know, he would sign up for everything and, and, um, Plus he's like, for everyone, like Tara's describing how Michael moves, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> like he can just like get in a handstand and like talk to you and yeah. move around. Well, it has, <laughs> it has nothing to do with yoga. He's right. just, he's, he knows his, his own body sure. and he can do anything. That's, that's just weird. Um, so we would go to these places and he would, he would be so, you know, regimented about it. He said, we have to, okay, there's a class at 10 on Saturdays that we would go to. And then he said, okay, we have to get up at seven and then we have to eat like a big breakfast. Was that David Regelin? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have to eat a big breakfast and then we go to this class. So we go to this class and it, you know, super, like there was no spot. They'd always kick, there'd always be a teacher trying to get in. They'd kick the teacher out. I, I don't actually know. I always think about this. How does this actually always work out where there's, and it wasn't like a, before people would sign up before you go to the class. Sure. So everybody would just show up and it would always be full and there'd always be two or three people that either couldn't get in or wanted to get in. And somehow the math always worked out. And I was always thinking, this is insane. <laughs> How come there's always, 
you know, whatever it was, 30 or 40 people here, but never 10 and never 60. How does this always, and it's always different people. I thought this was insane. This must be some, you know, weird thing happening. So we'd always be there too. Plus I'm a new person. I'd always get a spot, but again, there's no extra spot. You'd get there three hours early. We'd be three hours early. (laughs) It was crazy. (laughs) So I'm there early and I just sit on my mat because like that's what I would do before class. And, you know, nobody talked to anybody. And Michael would be doing his exercises and, and it wouldn't He's even wiggling. it'd be funny because it, I, I felt like for him he was putting on this you know and I would tease him because he was trying to be fitting into this this idea of you know the best yoga guy so he'd be doing his moves before class the moves that we're going to do in the class he would be practicing those particular moves so he'd and, be in the front row too no he wouldn't be in the front be. row he'd be like three rows back on the right you okay. know because the front row those are for the show-offs you know <laughs> It's ridiculous. So yeah, so we would go to David's class on, on on the weekends, and then there'd be you know he'd take me to you know there's the, the other classes. So like well Skylar of course because she's the sure. owner. So we'd go to her class, but it was on like it would be a little bit more variable with with our schedules because it would be on I don't know, like the night the week night time or whatever. Sure. And then of course he was friends with all of the sort of up and coming stars. So we would go to their classes at you know 4 p.m. on a Tuesday and. You know, he was just running me around. <laughs> and so at what point do you guys, I know you start to get more serious and fall in love and get married and all that stuff, but at some point you you guys decide to start having classes in your apartment <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For, free. for free. So like... <laughs> <laughs> well, it was all just fun, you know, and at that point, you know, I mean, we had this weird relationship. Like I, I never wanted to have anybody you know, take care of me with money. So I would be cobbling together all of these random jobs just to pay my rent and stuff. And he would say, you know, well, I have a job and, you know, he's always good at doing things that he didn't really care about, but so he would have all this time to hang do out. the things that he, so hang out basically, <laughs> you know, which I didn't understand. I thought, well, you know, I just, it was a different way to live. So, so yeah, actually his, his best friend from high school uh, married a Swiss girl. So they all go to Zermatt for fun, just like people go to the Hamptons here sure. on the weekend or Montauk or whatever. So, and Mike loves to climb mountains. So we went to Zermatt and um, I, I kind of thought that we were going to get engaged there or whatever. So we went there and, um, and it was over one of these Thanksgiving trips with this big group and we got engaged and then he proceeded to get extremely ill for <laughs> the rest of the trip. And I said, this is interesting. So like now that you have this part of your life taken care of, now you can just get sick and let go. Um, so he was sick the whole time, but we were sitting there and, um, cause we weren't snowboarding for most of the trip and, um, just talking about yoga. And he said, well, maybe we could, you know, do some classes in my living room. And I said, well, yeah, it's free rent. And, you know, he liked my little apartment, something weird about him wanted to stay there. So we moved into my tiny little studio and he had a, a, a bigger apartment and we just, you know, would have classes there and have a sign that we would, um, put on the front door and take down when, when any neighbor would come by <laughs> to see. <laughs> but it was really fun. So how would you get people that you'd just be like, hey, we're, we're doing a class. Do you want to like talk to people at the coffee shop? And, <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and so people would come. Like eventually, like yeah. it was like packed. Yeah, it, it got to be packed. It was funny. So in the beginning, it was, you know, just a couple of people. And then, you know, people have friends. And then, you know, we could fit 20, 20 people in the living room. And then if you open up the hallway where the door was and then the bathroom, Mike would always end up in the bathroom. We'd have 22. So that was like, you so know, was like full two, house. 2007, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so at one point you're like, 
okay, like it's time to move this out of the apartment and get a space and maybe start charging people. Yeah, well, I, we still we still didn't you know we still didn't think of it like that. I guess even when we we did do that, but um, at the time I was one of my random gigs was it was sort of the beginning of blogging. So it was I was writing for Huffington Post. One of the girls that came, um, Verena, was yeah. a yeah she's she was um, uh, an editor there. So I, I was. Um, writing these silly things like help I'm addicted to Facebook, five yoga moves that could help. And apparently at the time that was really, you know, different <laughs> yes, yeah. at that time. So that was fun. And then, um, you start doing YouTube too. Started doing YouTube videos. And I was writing also for uh, women's health magazine. And, uh, I really wanted to write a book with them because they had this publishing company as well, Rodale. So, but they kept telling me for a long time, you know, um, yoga books are boring. There's only the light on you. They'd bring up all the books and sure. they'd say like, you know, come on, this isn't a thing you should write a book about, I don't know, sex or weight loss or whatever. And I said, interestingly enough, those are results of doing a yoga practice. Your life improves. And they said, oh, that's ridiculous. I said, let's, you know, so I finally convinced them. And um, that was one of the reasons why we wanted to move out because I had this book um, coming out. And it was at the time, um, you know, it was, I didn't think of it as, as something uh, other than something to be embarrassed about that I was teaching yoga classes in my studio <laughs> and they were sending over, you know, um, newspaper people. And uh, I guess, you know, what, it, again, the internet isn't what it is now. So there wasn't like bloggers and stuff, but just different uh, reporters that would write an article, I guess, about it. And I'd have them over to the studio, which was Mike's apartment. And I'd have to like put up the sign so they would think it's normal. And so that time, I think just out of embarrassment, and um, we just decided to make sure the math worked out so I wouldn't um, be uh, paying more than I was making in the rent. Sure. So, so then you decide, so you moved to the first space. Yeah. And that was yeah. 2009 or, or early yeah, right 2010. Around there. Yeah, yeah, right around there. So yeah, that was... 628? 623, 23. yeah. So yeah, Crunch right. Gym, where I took this guy's class, yeah, yeah. Was, had, had closed down. And the whole building was for lease. So I knew that the yoga room was amazing because that's where I did yoga in. So I just called the number on the sign. And I said, um, can I rent the fourth floor but just the front half? And the guy said, well, we're only renting the whole building. I said, well, can I come over and check it out? So I came over and I brought Mike because, you know, I, by myself, I didn't know what kind of guy I was dealing with. So, you know, Mike looks more professional than I do sometimes. <laughs> brought him over and he said, well, there's no running water. Um, you know, there's, you know, we can turn on the electricity for you, but you'll have to pay the whole bill for the, for the building, whatever you use. So I said, fine, let's just rent it. And he said it was month to month. So that was okay. So I took that space and, um, the shower is upstairs. I think you went up there. Once I, to check I, it I out. saw all of it. Yeah. <laughs> saw it yeah. I remember when there was the rave too. We'll oh talk my about God. That. Yeah. So yeah. And the, it was funny cause where the showers were on crunch and the crunch gym, they had it was just abandoned, so there was grass and weeds coming up in between the tiles. So we would just, you know, keep keep the yoga room nice, and everybody thought it was a great space. I mean, it was a great space, and it felt good because, you know, we had good things happening in there, I guess. So. And so that was actually the first time we met. It was, like, early 2010. Yeah. Colleen went, you guys opened, yeah. and Colleen went to Mike's class. Yeah. Back then, <laughs> and I still do that, like, I would send Colleen as the guinea pig. I wouldn't just walk in. I was so happy that I didn't get back surgery, and, yeah. I, like, the yoga I was doing was working. And Colleen went to Mike's class, and then I came in after, and then you came, and then we all met, and then you guys convinced me that you wouldn't hurt my back again. <laughs> no. Yeah, was, I remember we, I mean, we had a lot more time. We had a whole, 
living room kind of set up there. We oh, just yeah. sat on the floor and talked about, you know, backs and, you know. But I remember the early days, too. It was like, it was hard. <laughs> like, people, you know, it's like you had a studio. There'd be like, you know, what I think it's important, too. It's like it took a while. Like, oh, yeah. Now you sell out. It's crazy. But I remember there were classes. It'd just be like a couple of us. Yeah. And we'd talk. Like, no one would be there. Yeah. Men's class. Yeah. 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 That was exactly. And then what, oh, this was embarrassing. So, um. Uh, Julia Stiles showed up once and there was only three people there and she had saw the sign that it just said a yoga studio and it was embarrassing because you know I thought oh man I hope she enjoys it she came back one other time and then I, I made friends with her a bit but it was it was scary because you it, it makes you feel insecure again so like sure. you know my whole life <laughs> <near> <laughs> again. especially you know you sit there and you just you're you're kind of a target you don't know what's going to happen right are there going to be, you know, you hear the steps coming up. You go, oh, there's one person or is it 30? You know, you don't know. And, are they um, crazy? Are, are they, they crazy? Are they coming to, you know, attack me with a gun or something? You'd be surprised <laughs> how many crazy people walk into yoga studios. Oh, yeah. We had this guy once with like a bag of change and it wasn't for us. He just had his bag of change. It wasn't like he was going to pay for it. But, you know, like all kind. I mean, you forget all the stories because they're, sure. you just put yourself in this position where anybody can walk in and. And, you know, usually it turns out okay. For well, the most part. you start to get <laughs> momentum. And I remember in the early days, too, when we, call, we used to go to Strala like all the time, like every day, and then work happened. And then yeah, but, you guys uh, got busy. <laughs> um, you know, you did the, you like discovered Tao, poor John Lynch. Oh, yeah. At, like at the right, <laughs> when she was a baby at age like 91. I now know. she's like 99. I remember you did the workshop with yeah. Jane Fonda, and like it was packed and crazy it was a total mess i remember like she had like her worksheets on chakras <laughs> yeah. and then tao got into what pose did, what does she do again oh god something impossible oh like peacock peacock she, she would do, do peacock that. and everyone just like started clapping <laughs> and like oh my god like she's she was like 90 she was, was so young weird. like 92 yeah she was a spring chicken spring chicken doing peacock um and then i remember too like the struggles of the early days um <laughs> There was like because the building was like sort of empty. You guys were the only tenants. Like one Saturday, you found out there was going to be like a oh rave. Yeah. So like, <laughs> Colleen and I, I remember showing up at like nine a.m. on Sunday for class, and you guys like were sleeping on the couch, and there were like people walking out of the building, like coming oh, from a horrible. fucking party. And, and yeah. I looked at you guys, and I'm like, oh my god, like I, the, the the pain of horrible. a small business owner. Well, yeah, because we had brought life to this building in a way, and. You know, somebody had told us there's an ATM machine going into your building. I was like, what the hell is there an ATM machine going? So they were carting up these ATM machines to the floor above us. And, um, you know, the building was just open, so there's no, no locks on the doors. And it's not that we had anything valuable, but we kept the place clean. And everybody had their yoga mats. And we just, we didn't want people coming in during a rave. And that was ridiculous. We didn't know anybody. <laughs> Why would you even rent a, rent a floor in this for a rave? That's ridiculous. So... You know, an all-night party happened. Mike and I just stayed on the couch. People would have been, people would come in. We say wrong floor, keep going, and we just <laughs> like, took where's shifts. The bathroom? <laughs> yeah, there's no bathroom here. Well, it's like the last thing you want is some drunk idiot like oh, pissing no. all over your and studio. Our, exactly, exactly what we said. You know, and we made it nice and cozy in there, and had Christmas lights, and it looked like a nice floor to go escape on after this gross rave. You know, sure. so that was horrible. And you know, yeah, we had a class coming in the morning, and. uh you know, there was people still at the rave and sure. the whole building just smelled like, you know, beer and smoke and 
So I remember shortly after that, you guys began looking for a new space. (laughs) We sure did. And so I I want to talk about that. So like you move across the street, you open Strala across the street and, you know, becomes packed and super successful. And then, but I want to talk about the evolution because eventually you're like, you know what, like uh, you start to do trainings around the Mm -hmm. world. And and now that's where, you know, I think there's like an interesting evolution, like, Mm -hmm. you know, free classes to studio to training around the world and you don't really teach much anymore publicly like the classes like you just don't do you know you do Mm -hmm. trainings and Mm -hmm. just talk to me how like that's changed for you and and the direction and and how yoga has changed and your relationship to yoga well i think teaching you know i i guess growing up doing dance i love the idea of just being physical every day with different people and all that and then you know, yeah, we had, you know, across the street, we, it was, it was great. It was great for all the dyslexic people. Cause we were at 632 and we were at 623. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we moved over and yeah, just started running a yoga studio. And then, you know, pretty much in the beginning started not having fun doing that. Even when it was, you know, packed all the time, it just, it wasn't fun to do the day in and day out of that stuff. And for me, I mean, I love the, the, the one hour, the hour and a half that you get before talking with people, after talking with people, and then leading the class. That's great. But, you know, I realized I'm a really crappy boss, you know, and I realized that I don't want to be anybody's boss. And, you know, the whole, uh, you know, having 15 instructors and everybody wanting certain things and having to be the one in charge you know, moving everybody's pieces around and, and, and it just didn't, wasn't fun. It wasn't what right. I wanted to be spending my time doing. Teach. Yeah. I just wanted, I just want to do what I do. And, um, and so, you know, a lot of it fell on Mike to, you know, to, to work out different things. And again, it's like, everything's great and everything's booming and it's, it's just not fun. Spending time <laughs> with people issues and hiring and firing. Yeah. And all all the time. Yeah. And then, and then the, the horrible, the most horrible thing about it, I think, you know, now kind of thinking about it more is, um, when it's the best, it was the least amount of fun, you know, sure. it was sort of in the time leading up to it and the ramping up when everybody's excited and kind of moving towards something, but in the place where everybody's class is just busy and, and, and everybody's, you know, supposedly getting what they want, but not really, then everybody wants a little bit more Then you know, I'm jetting off everywhere to do my stuff and coming, coming in and out. Yeah. And, you know, there's just a lot of you know, unhappiness, I think with, with, with all of that. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's, I don't think it's unique to us because we would meet studio owners around the world when we started to travel more and they'd have a lot of the same, um, just fundamental problems with the way that a yoga studio works. It just ends up being, you know, a temporary thing for a lot of people, um, with, I think, you know, over promises, it's just not fun, sure. you know. <laughs> so at one point you're like, you know what? Like, I'm not really going to teach her that much. And yeah. start traveling and do training. <laughs> much more fun to be on a plane and to meet different people and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of get back to doing what I, what I love doing, which is leading classes and, and um, you know, and then beyond that, you know, it's leading classes for so long, you get, an, you get an hour with people and then, you know, maybe over time you get to share more with that, but, you know, longer workshops and trainings and, you know, especially with, with Mike and really, you know, it took a lot of time to see what, what we had, what we had, you know, and, and I think at the, you know, still in the, in the middle of that, really discovering through all of this process of running a yoga studio and just being with people before and after class. I mean, the typical class, it's funny because now we have classes every Saturday in August and I always tease Mike. I was like, well, let's just do like a couple of classes a week, you know, just for the community. And he says, Tara, you you know that, 
one hour is five hours, right? you know, and that's not just commute to and from, but you know, it's, it's an hour before talking with people an hour after. And, and these aren't necessarily, it's not really the conditions where people are getting ready and then coming down. Yeah. The the whole, the whole crazy thing. And then signing people up and all this stuff. And although it's fun, it's, 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 it's a different, it's a different kind of work, you know? So I think we're really enjoying the work. We just finished the three week program and it was every single day being with people from around the world, people that have been leading Strala for a long time. And, and now they're starting to, to lead Strala trainings as well. But it's, it's been a long time in this, but it just felt so good to be there every single day for three weeks with the same group of people that were, we were all moving in the same direction. It's like you're also forming a real connection and everyone's yeah. moving toward the same goal. And then yeah. it's like, then you're done for a while. Then you're done. And then everybody wants to be done for a while because right. everybody, you know, goes back to their own community and they're, they're doing a variety of different things as well, whether it's, you know, um, you know, and it's neat because, you know, I've shared my, you know, like, all these experiences and a lot of people that start studios that we're friends with now that lead Strala start it in a way where, where we're kind of at now, where they just have a space for them and they come and they do all the things that they want to do. Sure. So if it's a, a class a week or, you know, now the world's different, making videos, doing workshops and their own trainings, um, you know, it's... It, it's interesting. I think that the, the the craziness of a yoga studio it can't be unique to our experience, and sure. um, and it's really fun when you can just uh, sort of use your own space as a laboratory, which I think is what we're back to now. So you mentioned working with Mike. You know, working with your spouse is amazing, but it can also be terrible. <laughs> like, talk to us about like what that what what's that been like for you guys? Ugh. Well, in the beginning, I mean, when we were in Zermatt talking about this, it was it was fun. I thought, okay, well, you're really cool and you can do all this cool stuff and I'm a lot different and you know I thought let's just give it a try and um it was Mike's kind of on the side thing he had again he's you know he's he had his company that did whatever and um afforded him to be able to do whatever and (laughs) it was a whole kind of it was a life of whatever you know and I'm somebody who's always exactly doing what I want to be doing with all of it you know so it's very different in that way um so this was the first kind of together thing where he was, you know, doing something that he was interested in doing, but also kind of, um, you know, was making fun of it in a way. He's like, well, yoga is not a real job. Why would I do have a real job? <laughs> I said, well, okay, that's fair enough. So, you know, in the beginning it was fun. And then, you know, when things were ramping up and then I think when we started discovering, you know, how to, how to talk to people in a different way that wasn't just, you know, leading a one hour experience where people could get, um, a one hour experience, not the same one hour experience, but they could, they may not, um, know what the experience they're getting just cause they walk in the door and they see something on the sign. So we wanted people that wanted to be there in a way. So, um, up until that point, you know, it was, it was fun, but there was all of this, well, what about this? What about this? And then when we had, you know, all of the booming, busy yoga studio stuff, oof, it, it was, our relationship was, you know, I mean, at, at the worst point, sure. I mean, we, we broke up for yeah. like a year and a half and, you know, you I guys, you guys shepherded the whole experience. We had separate dinners with you guys. I remember that. I'd be like, okay, so this is how it's going to be. We're going to have to go out to dinner with, with horrible. Tara on Thursday and then Michael on Friday. <laughs> and there'd be an empty chair always. It was, so, we don't, I always remember looking at the empty chair being like, oh God, what are we doing? So, but we, it, we couldn't just, it was so bad. And so what was it like? What, how, like just. All we did was argue about all of the things that we were both unhappy with. 
Sure. And, you know, I think it was spending, you know, when you spend all, all of your time doing that, it's exhausting, I think, for both, both of us in different ways. And I wanted out of that, and I wanted to have fun again. And, you know, I was getting to do all of these unsustainably but cool things, like in one week be in the Maldives and then Europe and then Asia and then back here. And then, you know, I just felt like I was getting to do all this cool stuff. And I wanted, I saw that as my life in a way, which was, you know, not realistic, but you know, in a way it's, we do that now, but it's much more grounded. And I think he was just pissed because he was having to, you know, manage people and that's not what he's good at, or it's not utilizing anything that he's, capable of doing and we find we found ourselves in the middle of something that was you know quote unquote successful but really crappy you know and just from the inside from just our perspective even when some of the instructors were were happy we were just like we wanted to just drop a bomb on the whole thing and but we didn't know how to do it you know it was I thought in a way that because we had this one location everybody would see the images that was I thought that was really fueling everything else that I was doing and I thought that that was necessary to to be able to do all the other things, which is completely illogical in a way, um, especially bu- now that we don't do it. So the business is basically like tearing apart your marriage. Yeah. Sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how do you recover? Because you, it was a long time. Like it was a, a good year. Like how do you? And, and it seemed like I know there were moments where I was like, they're done. Like they're breaking up. Yeah, yeah. Like, but but you didn't. And and you guys are like happier than ever. Like, <laughs> how did you, how do you turn it's it? Crazy. Like, how, how do you, you know, cause I think a lot of people go through that. You yeah. know, how do you turn it around? I think, well, at first, you know, Mike started working for you. <laughs> yeah. You can't, many of you are intern. <laughs> he's, he's that, okay, maybe I can, um, do something totally different. So, yeah. you know, which again is, you know, he's, he can do anything and he's, you know, we love you guys. And I feel like in so many ways we grew up together and, sure. And, you know, you've had so, so many of the, the best advice for us. And, you know, we haven't done it. I don't even know it. what I said. I don't know what you said either, <laughs> but it's a lot of it where, you know, you told us a long time ago to, to maybe scale back on how many classes I was leading a day. Sure. And I thought I had to be there because what if somebody walked in and didn't have a class with me and they'd be really upset. Again, all these insecurity pr- craps. Well, when Colleen and I would go to Strala and you weren't teaching, we'd be upset. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> like, who are these other teachers? It's a reality. Tara and Mike. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'd spend a lot of time sort of trying to be agents for other people, I guess, sure. which is kind of, you know, not, again, not that that's bad, but not really what we're good at, you know, in sure. a way and not really fun either for anybody. You know, I feel like I was putting, I was setting up, you know, the path to success for people. And they didn't even really want that. Sure. They wanted something different. And I, I would see a certain potential and say, okay, here's all these things you could do. And then at the end of the day, I would still feel like crap. Why am I, you know, trying to do all these things for other people that, that not that it's wasting my time, but that, that they probably don't even want. It just doesn't, there's something sure. in it that didn't feel right, you know, in a way. And I just was doing things because I could, or I thought I could, or I wanted to help, but it was just ridiculous and like really bad. But so with, with Mike, so we tried a bunch of random things. Like he came here and he sat for a while <laughs> and, and probably like got into a lot of trouble because he doesn't really like to show up to work. You know? He showed up. He likes lunch a lot. Yeah. He would go to Foragers for lunch and get this big sandwich. And yeah, yeah. He's very lifestyle oriented. He's but very good at PowerPoints. He's very yeah, good at he's that. very yeah. good. At, he, can, he can do all the things. And um, 
so so yeah we tried a lot of things and you know I tried to make the yoga thing my thing and 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 but it just you know it never was just my thing so to start to do that I mean part of it was but it's you know part of it is his just his too sure. so you know we're 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 constantly still I think just again discovering what we've what we've been doing this whole time and able to see it in a in more a clear way so, and I, I think that's 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 really more of what's happened than trying to recreate it's more uncovering well what's what's already been happening and we should just do that instead of trying to create something new so i think that's where we've so how do you been. know i'm curious like because a lot of couples have issues and a lot of couples get to the point where it's like i'm ready to walk mm-hmm. but and some walk mm-hmm. and some decide to figure it out and they do mm-hmm. and so and so any advice like getting to that point because you guys were at that point like what was it like you know any advice for someone who's at that point where like i'm ready to walk or i need to try to figure this out well i think for me which is so weird i mean we talk about those we were even walking this morning um with daisy on the way here on the water which is so quiet <laughs> and he it's point- amazing it's amazing <laughs> very different so he pointed across the water and he said that's the storage unit that I used during the breakup and which which I don't really like to call the breakup I like to call it the furniture moving years <laughs> that's a very nice way of looking at it right. so we just kind of well this is I want to put this here and I'm taking this and whatever so the furniture moving years um but I think the the funny thing for me now looking back and then seeing what kind of kept me and him too we talked a lot during yeah. that and we, we kept even we were arguing at each other's throats about everything and stupid <laughs> stuff and threatening and you know but at the end of the day I think it was you know we were still connecting you know again it wasn't wasn't a good connection but I think underneath it it was a good connection right. so I think if you it was more like a you know a fiery soap opera you, you know yeah. telemundo or something blah 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 even if the dialogue wasn't good <laughs> it was still happening yeah if you take away all the dialogue you know we were still, you know, in, in close proximity with each other and that somehow that connection was still, was there and also probably improving everything because we were sure. getting to the, we were getting to another level of this stuff. And we, it just reminded me, we had this, the Sam Berlin, who sure. is your healer. Too. Best shiatsu man in the world <laughs> that no one knows about. Know. Sam Berlin. Actually, we shouldn't say this on, I don't want to, he's still flexible. Yeah, schedule, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. But he, we were doing, a week of leaning and, and touch and support and the training and he's part of that program that we do and um you know we were we had a whole week with him so we were we were talking about meridians and experiencing on each other's meridians and you know mike and i were working on working with each other partnering and i, I asked sam this question and i was like you know not to be weird but meridians you know after you know they go through your body they keep going right there's no end point don't they kind of interact or dance with other people's meridians in a way and he was like well yeah of course so I thought it just reminded me now during the furniture moving re- years our <laughs> furniture moving years <laughs> our, our meridians were definitely you know finding each other sure. in this way and I think that was you know that even if all the other stuff was stuff it was the the you know the center of that was I don't know if it's the center or whatever, but it was something was connected. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it all worked out. And now your neighbor's in Dumbo. Yeah. So (laughs) something else, you know, if I look at, you know, a lot of things are happening while, you know, you start blowing up on YouTube and Facebook and building this following and then you start, 
you know, doing working with brands and what I think is so interesting too and I wanna talk more about is I would say like look, like a lot of a lot of teachers like who teach yoga like struggle making ends meet. Mm -hmm. And you've and like and, and people don't or maybe they do these days, they go to yoga because it's like a new thing and they think <laughs> they can become famous on Instagram and make a boatload of money or what have you. But like you've you're you're probably one of the most like successful in the commercial sense uh, yoga teachers out there like you've worked with like huge brands and like commercially like very successful you've done mm -hmm. very well financially and like that's not i know i know you that's you're not motivated <laughs> by that but like mm -hmm. it's nice it's like yeah. it's the great jerry seinfeld line like i like money but it's not about the money mm -hmm. and so what is it do you think that you have that you've been able to do where you've been able to do that where a lot of other people have just struggled to make ends meet like what what is it you know i think it it comes back to i don't know for me personally i think it's i'm i'm, I'm just interested in ideas and i, I kind of don't have this care one way or the other so you know i think it's it's sort of being in the flow of that if if i have an idea and i try to do it and it works great if it doesn't i know i know myself enough that i'll have another idea in a different way and and something will work out so you know with brands I think the first um, big thing I did with a, with a with a brand was Reebok, and they saw um, New York Times did an article sure. on me, and it was sort of that was you know a, a big boost in a way, and it was this cover story, and also caused all this you know controversy or whatever. And um, I went in for this meeting, and I thought you know okay, they don't have any yoga clothes, nobody has any yoga clothes. There was just Lululemon, and it was just black pants, and it was kind of like Spanx, and it, it really had the feeling for me, you know, not being involved in that brand, that it was more about the look of it. It was just the aesthetic of, you know, buy these expensive pants and you will, you will have this lifestyle. And I thought, okay, Reebok is, um, you know, sort of a, a lower price point and, you know, they weren't really cool at the time. I think they were cool in the, you know, Jane sure. Fonda aerobics days. And I liked brands like, you know, triple five soul and American apparel and, you know, on the higher end, James purse and all these like just clothes that you would just wear that are comfortable. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I said in, in the meeting, I was like, well, you know, I don't know what you guys want to do with me, but you don't have anything in yoga, so we shouldn't really do an ad. There's, there's nothing to advertise. Um, and you shouldn't probably just continue to make the apparel you make for running for yoga because it's, I don't really see it going anywhere. So I brought in clothes that I had that I wore to yoga, and I just put them out on the table. And um, and there was a few people in the room that were working in different departments. and. They thought it was interesting enough, and they brought down the CMO of the company, and um, and I met him, and he said, "Okay, I, I I know about you. What's what's the idea?" And I said, "Well, this is what I wear to yoga, and the people that go to yoga don't don't know that this is an option to wear. Right. And I and I kind of see the other yoga clothes that are available as um, you know, not to overuse the word intimidating, but just you know, there's either that or there's nothing. So I think there's two things happening. One you know, clothes are clothes, it doesn't really matter, but it's it's a way in to elevate the practice in a way. It's a way in to get more people interested in doing this by making clothes that are fun and easygoing and happy and clothes that you actually just want to wear, which seems really silly to say out loud now because I feel like every single brand sure. is repeating that to the point of, you know, uh, you know, repeating the same 
uh, taglines and all this stuff. There's one of the taglines we had was make your own, make your own rules, make your own yoga. And another brand just had that on a sweatshirt. Like the other day, somebody sent it to me, even in the same font. I saw that was cool. What's your great quote that we have on our wall here? Make your own rules, except for, for, except for, (laughs) you want to follow those or something like that? Yeah. You don't want to get hit. So I don't know. Yeah. So, which again, isn't original. I didn't invent that. I think the neat thing about I guess how I feel about ideas is they just come from somewhere. So you do them. And then if you do them and they work out, that's great. And it's really fun and exciting. And I think that sort of feeling about it that I have inside keeps the fountain flowing and keeps the momentum going and, and keeps the energy really light and, and, and forward moving. So do you think a lot of it's like mindset operating from a place of abundance versus? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's about having a, a plan or, um, you know, or not, not that a plan isn't good, but I don't think it's about having such a rigid, I'm going to do this and I'm going to have this and this is going to make this and this, I need X, Y, and Z to happen. I think it's sort of having ideas that are sort of goals, but then for me anyway, going after, you know, going after the ideas and then see, well, see if, see if they work and then try another one and see if that well, works. Well, it's like, there's a great line, uh, we had a guest on who had this line. It's a quote from, I think it's Einstein, the vision without execution is hallucination. <laughs> so it's like you need both. Yeah. Both are necessary. Yeah. But for me, I, I think it's, it's fun to bring the ideas to other people that can maybe make them work. And I thought that was really cool about Reebok. I said, well, you guys are basically a huge factory and you're not using it in all of these different ways. So that's why I think it was fun to do that. But you know, it depends on what the idea is and who you need around. And for the main thing of what we do with, with Mike, I mean, the idea is, you know, him and I getting together and, 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 and seeing how we can improve our programs and serve the yeah. instructors better. So what is it about too? Like you guys now have shifted your business where you do trainings around the world and you guys like sell out, like it's amazing. Like you travel <laughs> around the world and you do trainings to like hundreds of people. And like, that's like a dream for, for a lot of people. And I think, you know, I'm curious to hear what you think. Cause there are a lot of, you know, great teachers out there with, you know, great followings, but could not do that. And so what is it about you guys and like what you're doing you think is just like, catching fire around the world right now it's kind of amazing that you're able to do that like it's a dream like it's a travel the world and and teach (laughs) yoga and do trainings where they're immersions yeah well i think what we're doing is i think there's a, a i think it's not just one thing but what we're actually doing is is nowhere near the same as what anybody else is doing so it's not that it's we want to lead a yoga teacher training program all around the world we're we're seeing what's what's useful, and we formulated that, and and continue to improve upon that, and provide this great program that's really useful, not just for yoga teachers, but you know all these different ways that we're figuring out about the program for leadership and all this stuff. And um, well, it's more than yoga too. It's like you do tai chi, you yeah. bring in, like talk to like why is that why is that important to you guys? Well, the, I mean, the basis of what we're teaching is how to help people achieve without stress and how to drop the stress through movement and natural movement. And, you know, Mike has kind of coined this word natural movement in a way with, um, you know, using your body in its most effective way and dropping any um, habits that are, um, you know, I just figured out in the last training calling it double doing. So like in yoga, 
you know, everybody would say to do a handstand, you have to rotate your thigh and engage your abs and then do these five steps to do Mm -hmm. it. And sure, you can, you can subscribe to that plan and do that and it might work, but it's going to be really stressful and you're using more than you need and people are addicted to that. So people say, okay, this pose is going to be really hard. And then when I get there, that's the goal. So we're saying, well, why is it a goal? First of all, and take that mindset out of making the goal to pose and then take the mindset of let's get to know your body really well through this practice that we've figured out. That's a combination of natural movement with Tai Chi and yoga and, and figure out what you can do. And then through that practice, forget about the handstand, work on your body position, all of these things, drop your habits. You don't need to, you don't need to engage your abs because your abs are already engaging when you're doing the movement. Sure. It's just like when you're walking down the street, you don't need to be flexing your calves. Your calves are doing whatever they need to do. So I think there's this huge, just like, you know, I sort of figured out in silly apparel within physical movement, not just yoga, there's a huge problem. Everybody is stressing themselves out at double doing and, and thinking there's a value in wearing themselves out through their healing practices. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're most, you know, lit up about when we do these programs. So they're, you know, on the one hand, we're delivering this product, I guess, that's, that, that takes people, they can, if they're a yoga teacher, they can take what they've learned and, 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 and go from teaching two people in their classes, rigid yoga, or just, you know, a regular yoga class, whatever that might be, to leading this. And whether it's called Strala or not, it doesn't matter. People are going to feel amazing. Sure. And then all of a sudden, they get to do what we did in our living room. It's not about, you know, anything special with me being the leader of that. They get to do what we did and then have something from two to 20 to whatever, and then you know, sustain themselves in whatever way they want by having these new skills, not just in leading a class, but they feel better in their own lives. So sure. people come and that's, you know, it, it really has nothing to do with teaching a yoga class. It happens by a, a byproduct that learning to move and be and sort of re, rework, rework our mindset in this way leads you to have an awesome experience living and get all the things that you want without focusing on the stress of the goals. So and then you get to teach yoga if you feel like it. <laughs> someone, so if someone walks up to you and says, I want to teach yoga, what, what advice do you have for me? What do you say? You just go. <laughs> I mean, go do it. Like, you know? leave me alone? Go well, away? I mean, or, both, <laughs> kind of. It. It's like, it, it, it's sort of, you know, it, it's sort of like, well, why, I guess, but it, without being like, why? Because that, you know, it's such an esoteric question, and then people feel like they have to come up with this answer. They've read in, you know, one of sure. the millions of self-help books we have now, or the e-books, whatever they are, but... I feel like if you really want to do, if you really want to teach yoga, there's no reason why you can't, you know, you don't need anything. You don't need anybody. You don't need any money. So you can lead whoever's around you. And again, that's what we say in the training program. It's like, just start, you know, you have a living room. You may not be able to fit 20 people, but you can fit two, you know, there's roof. I mean, in Dumbo, there's the outside park. Um, You know, it kind of just says, well, start like there's, there's no barrier between you and then you teaching yoga, (laughs) you know, you can go and do a training in, in, in there somewhere, but you know, just start and get comfortable. And then from there, you know, you'll have better questions and all of these things. But I think the, you know, people get too stuck in their head. I mean, what makes me most, I guess, frustrated about the yoga world, although it's a huge opportunity for us, so it's not that frustrating is people come out of other training programs and even classes and they have, 
you know, wrinkles and furrows in their brows and they think, oh, like there's so much more to learn. There's so much, I'm so overwhelmed in a way. And, you know, this, this idea that yoga takes you out of who you are and, you know, it makes you kind of think that you need to be a different way and you're not, you're, you're out of your own center and you're going into a different center. And I think that, you know, what, what we're trying to do is keep people in their own center and, shed off any bad habits and keep them moving in their own life in that way instead of in this other path of there's no path of yoga there's only a path of you and i think that's that's um sort of what's what's a crisis right now about about yoga or fitness or even food and health and all this stuff which is, which is why it's so fun to do these programs because people think that they're coming not to our program they don't think this way but you know they've come from other experiences where they felt like they had to honor not a lineage of yoga, because I feel like that's kind of dead now, but they're still, you know, trying to um, feel pressure to put on this idea of a certain path instead of instead of uncover who they actually are and sure. what they're good at. You know, you mentioned lineage. We talked about, like, you know, for the yoga, like having music was blossoming <laughs> and everyone does that and, and the move away from lineage. Like, what do you think the future is for yoga? Well, I think, I mean, it's, it's interesting that there's always you know, not just one thing, you know, and we're sort of the answer. If you, if you agree that yoga is stressful and you want to find a better way, we're kind of the answer for that. But I think there's still value for people to go through a different experience. You know, if they want to have, um, you know, the experience where you just go into a room and you don't talk to anybody or, um, it's, it's not a sense of community. It's more a sense of isolation in a way. So I think there's, you know, I think it would be too ridiculous to say, oh, the future of yoga is everybody moving in alignment with themselves and accordance in the way of ease and exactly what we're doing. But I think that's, it's just not, there's always, there's always something that happens. And then there's the 15 different variations of that. And then something else happens and the 15 different variations of that. So, you know, now the cool thing is yoga with hip hop music in a dark room, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, but the class is just a regular yoga class, you right. know, still. So the, the, the main experience hasn't changed but the external environment has changed so i don't know i think maybe the maybe the main experience you know will have another spin around the wheel to to start changing and then the external experience will have another spin to change as well so you also mentioned food and something you've written about is your relationship with food and the ups and downs there like talk to us about that (laughs) oh man all my train wreck stuff today (laughs) well you're human we all have train wreck stuff yeah it's true it's true but um if you don't you're not telling the truth uh, that's true yeah well i mean yeah i mean i grew up simple you know loving food loving feeling good in my body and then ballet school happened and everybody thinks oh you know that must have been an insecurity nightmare but the the insecurity nightmare was my ballet school took in um, students from uh, uh, that weren't there for ballet, that were there for the liberal arts experience. But the the school was not um, known for that. It was it was ballet, it was um, um, theater and fine art. So we had a sort of round of students that were just kind of there to party. And um, I was I was staying in one of the co-ed dorms, and um, you know I was trying to be a good ballet student. I would come home and and you know sleep and wake up and train and everything and I came home once to this crazy party and my roommate said oh just have a drink whatever so had a drink woke up under some guy was in the middle of an attack and I was you know terrified you know shocked um, you know unable to process the experience came back to my room just horrified talked to my roommate about it 
Um, you know, this guy that had assaulted me, I would see every day. He was um, the boyfriend of an older dancer who I was in her student piece. So there was all of this sort oh. of just stuff. And I, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I, first of all, I also didn't know what exactly had happened. Um, you know, and I, I wasn't getting my period at the time. So I took a pregnancy test and I was, I was just horrified. Um, uh, and everybody thought I was getting an eating disorder from ballet. So there was this whole other level of shame. So I, I stopped eating because I just needed to, to control something about my sure. life. And I guess, you know, kind of a classic thing. So I would, um, you know, kind of wake up every day and, and, and avoid everybody and then, and then not eat. And then I even got a job in the cafeteria at one point to kind of hide things and be busy and would go to the rehearsals and stuff. And, you know, that persisted for a while till I got, you know, just physically to a point where I just didn't look good at all. And, um, my ballet teacher came, you know, the same guy, Rory, that introduced me to, um, yoga came and I, it was this moment where I knew he was going to confront me about this. There was this big hallway moment where he's walking down the end of the hallway and we were headed to Chicago to do, um, a piece in some festival there. And, um, he put his hand on my shoulder, which at the time, you know, if you, if you're going through a, a crisis like that or a disorder or trauma, like just being touched physically, it was like, Oh, you know, what did I do wrong? So he touched me here and, you know, I would, I kind of like shriveled a little bit because it was all of this, you know, mixed emotions and, he said, you know, Tara, you have to take care of yourself. And, you know, from that moment on, I thought, oh, crap, you know, I, I need to change this. I need to take care of myself. So, you know, I just I started to make better decisions and, um, uh, you know, just got around better friends and um, started to make myself cook more. I, I got an apartment off campus. I was like, well, I, why do I need to see this guy every day? Sure. And then kind of a kicker about the situation was um, the last year at the school, I was in and out of doing a bunch of different things. Um, I got called in to talk to somebody, and I don't know what their department was, but they said, um, did something happen with you your first year here with this person? And, you know, no one had ever asked me that directly. Sure. And I said, well, yeah, you know, and it was so, it was like three years later. So I said, well, yeah, like, and I, I felt very attacked at that point. This was someone asked me, and I said, well, why? And he said, well, you know, he's, he's, um, done this five or six times with oh. other people. And I said, you know, why haven't you done anything about this? So I was, you know, at that point I was just, you know, annoyed at myself that I didn't say anything sooner and I could have prevented all these other situations. But anyway, that was my, my crappy food story. But coming out of that, um, you know, moving to New York was a big positive. And then just realizing that, I, you know, for me, it had nothing to do with food. It had everything to do with control. Sure. So once I got my, um, control back, I just, you know, go back to my regular self sure so so you're a mom now yeah <laughs> to a beautiful baby named daisy ellie's best friend ellie's best friend our daughter <laughs> ellie and daisy best friend so how has being a mom changed you well it's you know it's <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy i don't think it's 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 what i thought and what i what i didn't think too um you know it's i i didn't think that i was this I don't know, especially in the beginning, more controlled and more OCD. I mean, it felt really weird to leave my house for the first time without her with me. I think my kid sent me to go get, you know, a coffee or something for him across the street. And he said, you need to go. Get out of here. (laughs) You need to like be like a step away from this person. And it just, for me, it felt like, you know, people say it's like wearing your heart on the outside, but it didn't feel that romantic for me. It felt more like, 
I have this huge responsibility for this person who can't exist without me physically and all of these things. But then, you know, the, the more time that goes on now, I realize she's safe, I'm safe. It's just another layer of working on your own sure. stuff. Has that been like the most difficult part? Or <sighs> Yeah, I think we did. I, I made myself lead a class probably too soon for me. Not physically. I mean, I felt, you know, like I could move my body and things like that. But just with her. And um, it was two months, she was two months, and I brought her to see everybody. And I didn't realize how, you know, torn I felt about all that. I didn't, sure. I didn't really want everybody there. I didn't want everybody to see her and touch her. And it was this happy moment. And I was just, you know, inside my own head of, you know, control issues and insecurity there. Sure. But, you know, but now that she's more sturdy, I feel like I'm more... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, they do get more sturdy. They get more sturdy. You know, my, I'm sure my insecurities are still there and it's going to come up in some way, but I feel much more comfortable now with her. I mean, you know, you know, we didn't sure. come to see you for weeks yeah. and we would be here all the time. So now you're around the corner. Now we're everywhere. Now we're mobile and she's on planes and stuff. So, but yeah, still it's, you know, I, I don't like the idea of her, um, you know, away for too long. Sure. I yeah. don't think anyone does. Yeah. <laughs> so second to last question, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice in your, in your twenties, what advice would that be? Um, don't fight with Mike as much. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both went through a lot of unnecessary stress, um, when we were during the furniture moving years. Sure. And I think if somebody told me that like we could just peel that away a little bit and get to it and change things in our life without having to think it's something different and then come back to it a different way. I think that would have been good. But other than that, I mean, I'm happy I went through all, you know, crazy stuff and, you know, try different things and all of that. So. Sure. And last question, <laughs> um, like, where do you think the, what, what's like the future of wellness? What, what do you think is going to happen? What well, mind, body, green, of course. Well, thank you. Well, <laughs> the you heard it here first. The beginning, the now, and the future, <laughs> you guys. I, you know, I, I think just more individualized stuff. It's, it's kind of, I think, I mean, you, you, I'm, you're much more of an expert on this, but just what I, what I see that's kind of silly now is the, it seems like there's this ceiling on doing all of these things, and we have to do all of these things. And I think there's um, probably going to be more of a, a next wave of individuality of returning to, well, what are all of those things that work for you instead of, you know, um, sort of being healthy for the uh, sake of being healthy. I feel like there's this, you know, still this pursuit. Everybody wants to be well and healthy, but we're kind of forgetting about what, what we want to do while we're here. We just want to be healthy because that's a good idea. It's a virtue or whatever. Um, but I think, uh, you know, coming back to, okay, it's a great idea to be healthy, but be healthy so we can, you know, go out and, uh, you know, see all the world or we can go and, and raise our family well or do all these things. I think that's, that's, I, I just maybe see that's kind of getting a little bit lost now because, because sure. health is so popular and in, in like, why are you doing this? What's yeah, the, what's the point? Yeah. Is it just cool? Yeah. Or is it something like why? It's Which it is why. cool. You know, right. it's sort of everybody goes and gets their salad and goes to their, their fitness class, their yoga class and, you know, wears athleisure and, does all of these things, but is that, it sort of seems like that's the goal right now, or that's at least the lifestyle instead of, you know, all of these people doing that are surely interested in something else. You know, sure. it's, you're just doing all these things cause it's, it's there and it's around and sure it's, it's, um, it's healthy, it's beneficial, but it's not, it's not so fun if it's, if it, that's the goal, if that's the end game, you sure. know? So I think there's more, 
you know, there could be another push to do all of those things or just pick the things that, that help you do the things that you actually want to do. Sure. Sure. Okay. Really last question. So <laughs> what, what keeps you up at night and then what has you excited in the morning? Oh my gosh. Well, right now, Daisy keeps me up at night. <laughs> Very <laughs> practical answer. <laughs> um, sleeping, uh, waking up, eating, all of that. Um, I, and, and also, I think what keeps me up at night is, is, is just getting excited about um, what we're doing with helping people connect to themselves and operate in the world sort of from the middle of their own circle, you know, through, through Strala, through all of those things, but, but really through through the practice of, of being your best self in this way of actually doing the practice of moving naturally and moving easy and, and getting really picky about feeling good. You know, I think that's one thing I actually learned from Mike was all of that. I'm just going to do whatever so I can live in whatever and do whatever it's, he was always really picky about feeling good. And I think I directed him to focus that into an actual thing to do instead of just, you know, wafting around feeling good. But, um, but yeah, it keeps me up honestly, because, you know, I have friends from around the world that are leading Strala classes or doing all these things. And they're texting me all the things that they're excited about because this momentum is building and, you know, and, and that's, that's exciting. Not because it's building a business, although that's exciting, but also because it, you know, it, it really gets people to do something that they're really excited about and maybe out of something that they're not so excited about. That's amazing. Tara Stiles, thank you so much for being here. One of our dear friends, earliest contributors. In fact, like I remember we went out to dinner and you were like, do you guys accept guest blogs? Like, I'm tired of writing for HuffPo. Like, I want to write for you guys. Like, what, you should do guest blogs. Like, yeah. in a lot of ways, like, inspired us. Like, okay, like, let's do guest blogs. And then you're one of the first writers, and now we've got, like, 6,000. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, I one of our... started trying to be political, and yeah. I wasn't. It's <laughs> like, let's write so, about health. Thank you so much. One thank of our you. dearest friends uh, we've known for years. We've grown up together. A great friend uh, to Colleen and I and, and the whole Mind, Body, Green family. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.